championship on the line right here. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Welcome to 4th and 5, your Longhorn Nation podcast. I'm your host, Will Bazer, and today I'm joined along by C.J. Vogel of TFB, the Football Brainiacs, the Texas, and now the Oklahoma side, right? Right, C.J.? You're kind of doing, pulling double duty there, right? Yeah, I'm limboing across the Red River on both sides over there. Uh, it's been interesting, it's been fun, but I mean, I'm glad to be covering both schools right now. Yeah, you're a proper journalist right now. Uh, I've kind of I've kind of taken that and I've kind of I've kind of gone off the rails on my own little journey here, but it's nice to have some professionalism still over you know over there at the football brainiacs where where I I don't have it anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, trying to convince the OU side that that the the recent Texas grad is as neutral as can be is is not a, a very fun task at the moment. I can't imagine it is. I can't imagine it is. But let's go ahead and get into. What's going on with Texas and Oklahoma? You have a perspective from both sides here now that you cover both teams. So let's really get into some of the major stories here, right? Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. Last week it was confirmed in a 10-day whirlwind that started off with an A&M news reporter breaking news, then it really leading into the acceleration and climax that was Texas and Oklahoma agreeing to join the SEC. A lot has happened here, and it's kind of been more than six months in the making. It's been decades in the making, this move. Let's really get into some of the major stories that are coming out about realignment. But first, starting to get in, let's get a few things straight before we dig into some of these stories. Because a lot of the stuff that leads into some of these stories, such as Texas destroys another conference. Texas destroys rivalries. Texas is going to have to bow down to the SEC. All of these stories that you're hearing from Paul Feinbaum and all these fans from Iowa State, Texas Tech, Baylor, TCU, Texas A&M, Arkansas, wherever, every fan base right now is, is really hating on Texas. So there's a lot that goes into that. But first of all, I think what we have to realize, CJ, is Texas is the heel of college athletics for a lot of teams, even ones Texas fans usually don't even give a second thought to. I didn't really know what a heel was, so me saying that is sort of weird, but I heard about it. I heard it online, and it really made sense. And for those who aren't professional wrestling fanatics like myself, a heel, also known as Aruto in Lucha Libre, is a wrestler who is portrayed as the villain, a bad guy, a rule breaker, and basically is the antagonist, the face of evil to all the heroic good guys out there who go and whack him over the head with a metal chair. So, CJ, do you have any thoughts on, on why Texas or how Texas became such a hated entity? Well, you know, in my brief history of covering Texas and, you know, I guess growing up, pulling for Texas, it's pretty easy. And, and when, it, when you start bragging about being the most iconic logo in sports, when, you know, your social media is all about how many engagements we get, uh, how many how many followers, you know, the top of the charts, basically. And that's basically the big selling point for Texas on, on social media is we are the, the biggest brand. We are the most popular brand. We have the most money as a program. 
and then you look at the record over the last 10, 12 years, and that doesn't really correlate to anything that you were portraying yourself online as, I think that that definitely plays a part of it recently. And then obviously if you date back to, you know, the the previous Big 12 with, you know, the aforementioned uh, Texas A&M, Missouri, Nebraska, Colorado, and even the Southwest Conference. I mean, the regional rivalries at the time, I mean, that was significant, you know, back to the college football that we knew back then and what it is today. And like you mentioned earlier, Texas breaking up another conference. I know fans who just there there is no dislike of Texas. You know, you're either a Texas fan, you like Texas, or you hate Texas. I think that was very evident when West Virginia joined the Big 12 right away and pitched Texas as another big rival. Texas fans obviously didn't see that, but you know, any time that game was circled in the West Virginia calendar, it was the big, you know, biggest uh, uh, stadium, you know, population that they had all all, all season. So. Um, it, it's something about portraying yourself as the biggest, the best. When the results don't show up, I think that is definitely something that, you know, schools love to point fun at and obviously dislike. Right. Money speaks and Texas has a ton of money. Yeah. So oh, it's yeah. more like they're yelling. Texas is a very, very loud brand, fan base, just everything. And and as you said, they're important. They're big, big name in college football even though they haven't been good in football right just because of the money they have and as a texas football fan it's kind of a double-edged sword yeah it's great that they're important but also you know i wish they were important for not money i wish they were important because they're like alabama and actually really good at football or oklahoma and really good at football it creates an easy target for teams like tcu or texas a&m or oklahoma all these teams to really, you know, hit, right? Why are they so important and they're not even good? It kind of rightfully pisses off the smaller fan bases, like West Virginia. Man, we beat Texas. Why are they important? We beat them. Well, it's because Texas has the green. Again, it's a double-edged sword, and, and it really makes Texas that heel, where everybody hates them because... They don't understand why they are big. And because of the money and their importance, because of that money, a lot of moves in college football revolve around them. Therefore, they're seen as a central figure in all these changes, which they kind of are with the understanding that they're important because of their money and not because of football success, even though they got the money through the historic football success. Yeah, I mean, the way you put it, the only, you know, the best similarity I can point to it is growing up in Dallas, you know, the one school everybody hates is Highland Park. You know, whether you play Highland Park or not, you're not going to pull for them in any, get, in any given game. You want to see, you know, the, the rich, the mighty, you want to see them fall. And I feel like I'm not a history buff, but that's been a pretty common theme for all of, you know, all, of, you know, civilization. I thought you were going to point to the Cowboys because that's pretty much the same story. I mean, look at the Cowboys, too. I think the Cowboys have more of a great, you know, or I, I guess fans of college, uh, the NFL hate the Cowboys more simply because it's been, what, 25 years since the Cowboys have, you know, been to a conference championship game, let alone win a Super Bowl. Highland but Park, Jerry you know, Jones we, has that money. Yeah, and they have a big brand. And right. If you, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. You're pointing out a better similarity than I am. We're on the same page here. Yeah, yeah. So I think those those three teams right across you know all three levels of football, people hate them. They have the most money, the most resources, and only one of them produces. Congrats to Scott. <laughs> yeah, and you know it, it really 
it kind of goes down to the idea of, you know, heroes and villains and all this stuff and who is a hero in whose eyes and who is a villain in whose eyes. I think String, uh, String says from Good Bull Hunting really put it well on Twitter when he said, inevitably, everyone is a villain in somebody else's story and the hero in their own. No one should be penalized for acting in their best interest. In the same token, no one should feign generosity when acting in their best interest inadvertently benefits others. And when acting in your best interest, just own it when you dick someone else over. If you don't owe them anything, then be, just be okay with when your selfishness causes someone to go down in flames. Like, that is a perfect statement for what is going on with Texas. Yeah, Texas really doesn't owe these other teams much of anything. Really, Texas has been subsidizing these other conferences for these other teams in the conference for quite a while. And they shouldn't say, oh, yeah, we've been we've been great for them. Like they owe us just that's been a fact. And now Texas is taking away some of that pie from the other teams, which leaving them in sort of a, a dumpster fire right now. Like, where's Baylor going to go? Have fun on the whack. If they're lucky. It's, right? So it's it, it sort of cuts down to that, right? I, and I think another person on Twitter said it well as well. Blah, blah. Former Barking Carnival writer Dagger Rusta, who really brought up a lot of good historical facts that I'll talk about later in the show, but where he said, I'm not trying to assert that Texas athletics is a good actor. They're just not a remarkably bad one. They're just an actor. They're doing what's in their self-interest and they're doing what any other administration would do. And to think that the, you know, the, the Texas schools need Texas to an extent they do. Like you said, over the last 10 years, I mean, outside of uh, TCU and Baylor for what, 2014, 2015, how many of them finished top 10 in, in a season? How many of them carried their own weight, you know, in, in a, you know, in a season that benefited them financially to an extent that they could have survived without Texas to begin with? Um, mm-hmm. To say that many were very pretty destinations in the college football world, I understand that. The history of most of these programs doesn't exist uh, whenever you look at, you know, college football powers or, you know, the historically great schools that have competed for decades previous to the Big 12. At some point, you got to carry your own weight and you can't right. rely on the big school down the street even when they're not, you know, carrying their their weight at, at that time. So I understand the gripes, but at the same time, you know, you got to dress yourself before you dress somebody else. Yeah, and we're not saying that the other schools in this conference have bad athletic programs, right? I mean, Kansas State's had a good athletic program in football. I mean, with under Bill Snyder, uh, Texas fans are well aware. Same thing with TCU. It's the reason Texas took Crystal Conte because they were doing so well. Uh, you know, Kansas has basketball. Iowa State is a power right now in football. We're not saying that they're bad. It's just, unfortunately for those teams, they are in rural Kansas, Ames, Iowa, Lubbock, Texas, you know, or they're in the, they're, they're playing second, third, fourth fiddle in Fort Worth or Dallas to the Cowboys, the Stars, the Mavs, all of that, right? It's unfortunate for those teams, but it is how it is. And Texas and Oklahoma, more so over the recent history, probably the last few decades, last two decades, have been subsidizing the conference. That is not the first time that conference realignment has been spurred by 
two teams subsidizing an entire conference. CJ, I know you're you're even younger than I am. So I guess I'll kind of get into some of the history here of the Southwest Conference. And, and this is actually pulled from a Texas Monthly article by Paul Burka that was kind of in the middle of the demise of the Southwest Conference in the 1980s, where he has a passage in there that says, one Longhorn athletic official put it bluntly. We are subsidizing the conference. And he reels off the figures. Each time a conference team goes to a bowl game, each conference school reaps more than $30,000. Every time a conference team appears on television, the entire conference shares in the proceeds. The private schools haven't gone to many bowl games recently, nor is the NCAA arranging its television schedule to get them more exposure on the tube. And kind of time out, that kind of goes to, yeah, the NC. this kind of goes down to the NCAA versus the Oklahoma court case in 1984, where Oklahoma basically fought the NCAA for rights over television spots. That really is one of the big dominoes that fell to lead to where we are today. That's another story. But going back into this, the NCAA arranging television schedules and then now who you know going to the TV and ESPN and ABC or whoever was doing that scheduling, you know, Texas or Arkansas mainly and, and not... SMU or Baylor because they didn't have as many eyes back into the article, but they received and they received TV income. Nonetheless, that is the other schools. Texas has been the host of in the cotton bowl six consecutive years. And as a reward for its record string of conference championships, each time the UT athletic department kept 10, a hundred thousand dollars, but forked over 25, uh, $250,000 to the conference. All of this to say, Texas is subsidizing the conference at a four-to-one scale. That is why the Southwestern Conference was broken up by both Texas and Texas A&M. Who, Texas A&M in the 1980s and early 1990s was really doing well for themselves. And they both had similar-sized fan bases and were both basically subsidizing teams with alongside Arkansas, like Rice, TCU, Houston, and Baylor. Uh, so when Arkansas left for the SEC and Texas A&M was not allowed to by Texas politicians in 1991, I believe, that meant that the Southwestern Conference was basically Texas and Texas A&M and a rest of, you know, people who weren't pulling their weight. Yeah, the, the hodgepodge of the remainder of Texas schools, basically. Exactly, exactly. So you had the Big 12 formed, and it was really a temporary alliance. It was It was a conference built on sand. And the... Agreement between the schools, between the Big 8 and the the Southwestern Conference, the ones that were brought into it, was the Big 8 brought an interesting schedule and a lot of teams that were doing really well at the time, like Colorado, Missouri, Nebraska, and, oh, Oklahoma. While Texas and Texas A&M at the time brought the money and the TV sets and also a few other members as well to really hold the Texas market. So... This really led to Texas and Texas A&M brokering a deal at the very beginning of the conference to distribute 57% of the football and basketball TV revenue equally among its 12 members, which meant that the rest of that percentage of money really was dealt to the teams that, you know, made the money. So Texas was no longer subsidizing at a four to one scale. They were getting, it was more a two to one scale. Uh, So... 
that was good for Texas and Texas A&M. And Nebraska and Colorado and Oklahoma then got the money from those Texas sets. So they were really happy with the deal. And all these teams have to keep their tier one rights, their tier two rights. And this was all approved by Mizzou, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Kansas, Kansas State, whoever, right? Every Big 12 team was pretty much in support of this. However, things really went sour for Nebraska and really early on when Texas fought against their partial qualifiers uh, for academic reasons because partial qualifiers, if you, as I'll explain to you, are kind of BS, but those partial qualifiers really buoyed Nebraska's athletic program quite a bit. CJ, do you know what partial qualifiers are? I'm assuming it's not a full qualifier. <laughs> well, it was a um, it was a rule from the NCAA that set a minimum standard on incoming athletes for college entrance exam scores and GPAs on high school core core courses. Blech. Basically, a non qualifier was a student that met neither the GPA or the exam score, and a partial qualifier was one that met one or the other, but not both. So they would have to redshirt for a year and then they could play. The Big Eight didn't have it, but the Southwestern Conference had that rule. So I'm when the Big saying Eight... A nicer way of saying someone is, you know, not very smart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're they're not there to play school. Huh. Right? They're yeah. not there to play at all, basically. <laughs> by the, by the so, rule of, you know, the partial right. qualifiers. Exactly. Uh, But Texas, when the Southwest Conference and the Big Eight combined, they wanted the Southwest Conference, you know, academic rule that that had rice in it to overrule what Nebraska had been used to and really kind of built their program around. And Nebraska had nowhere to stand because Texas is the money. So this left a bad taste in Nebraska fans' mouth, especially after going one and nine against Texas, losing two Big 12 championships to them. And never really returning to national prominence after that. I mean, Nebraska fans are still pretty pissed at Texas fans. Yeah. They'll never stop that. Uh, nope. With Nebraska falling behind, they they wanted to blame somebody here. And the obvious big target here is Texas. And the revenue distribution model they agreed to originally. They said it was unfair. And these Texas schools, Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M, they responded by changing the bylaws and splitting it to splitting all tier one and two rights equally, but tier three rights were still with the schools. So then as long as we have all these schools pulling their weight, Texas is not really having to pull the weight of everybody else. They're still getting a good share here, but they're keeping the conference together. Again, they're not doing this because, oh, they're so generous or because they're great. It's because it made sense money-wise. However, they still have their tier three rights. And this is where a lot of this goes haywire, right? I see CJ's face and he already knows where this is going, right? The, yeah, the Longhorn Network. Yeah, one of the best chapters in Texas, you know, athletic history, am I right? I think it's a curse. I think oh. the Longhorn Network is a curse. I, so I can't. It didn't benefit Texas athletics, is what you're saying. No, but at the time they were planning, you know, ESPN and, and Fox and CBS were all planning on building these big networks for Ohio State, USC, Alabama, and all these other big schools. And this was the golden era for Texas sports that, you know, from the 2000s to 2010, like, hell yeah, this is a, this is a train that's never stopping, right? So let's start there and kind of build it up from there. Well, that's when obviously Texas is. You know, sports took a huge hit, 
And we all know the story of Texas athletics in the past decade, the decade of, of woe. But what it was for Texas at the time was a large revenue source, but more importantly, it was an even bigger potential recruiting advantage. They, they really pushed it as, hey, we're going to get you in front of the national audience, you know, high schooler. We're going to get you in front of the NFL. You know, this, this program, this network is going to be on everybody's television set so everybody can get to it. Now we know that that's not so much the case, but at the time, that really scared schools like Nebraska, uh, Oklahoma, Mizzou, Texas A&M, because while well, Texas looks like they're an absolute monster, Texas was, looked like they were the Alabama of that era, right? It, you know, give Alabama, you know, basically an even bigger recruiting advantage now. I don't even know how. Yeah. And that's what uh, it felt like Texas was getting. At, the, right? at, what, what, at what current ceiling could Alabama expand to now? Um, but right. yeah, like you said, at the time, that's exactly what it, was, it felt like Texas was receiving. And when I first heard Longhorn Network in the hopes and the, the dreams of, you know, the projects they had going on, my first thought, and I'm sure, you know, many players at the time, many potential recruits at the time probably thought, oh, they're going to have, you know, camera sets following players of the class. They're going to basically have their own, like, keeping up with the Kardashian, like, TV-type shows following, you know, star players on, you know, teams across the campus. Little did we know, they just showed the, the, the 05, 06 Rose Bowl, you know, 70% of the airtime. But, I mean, at the time, I was like, listen, this is, this has got to be the coolest thing of all time. Um, there's no way this can't help Texas. Come to find out, I mean, it wasn't like that. Yeah, and the narrative that a lot of these schools went with was, instead of saying, oh, it's an unfair recruiting advantage, they were saying, well, it's an unfair money advantage, right? Despite the fact that they had agreed to the tier three rights. They were saying... No, this is unfair. I can't believe Texas is doing this. How greedy of them to do this and, and, you know, force us out of a conference network, which I believe was brought up, but then rejected multiple times. And the guy who brought it up for the Big 12 then went to the Big 10 and built their conference network, which was a huge success. That's another story. But Texas A&M and Nebraska were dying to get out of the shadow of Texas. They were sick and tired of the influence Texas had, this Longhorn Network, and the potential recruiting success and the more money looked like, oh, wow, this is just another level that they're going up to that we're never going to be able to hit. So Nebraska pointed to that and said, unfair, bad, we're leaving. Texas A&M, desperate to get out of the shadow of Texas, you know, dating, again, back to their 91 attempt to get to the SEC, you know, when Nebraska left, Texas was like, well, crap, this conference is probably going to fall apart. Let's go check out the the Pac-12 and see if we can work over there because they share a similar academics and whatnot. And kind of behind Texas A&M's back, went and negotiated with the Pac-12 to hopefully get the two schools more revenue. But when Texas A&M got wind of the deal, they declined it and used it as a way and leverage to leave the conference and Texas shadow, which again, looked even bigger with a freaking network. And to the credit of the A&M administration, that now looks like a really good move by them. Like that was a great move for Texas A&M. It accomplished what they wanted. And unfortunately for Texas A&M fans, you know, Texas got into the SEC and they are where they are now, but at least for the past 10 years, they were able to 
at least act, if not actually get out of the shadow of Texas. That is why Texas A&M left. That's why Nebraska left. That's kind of kind of the the whole history of where we are now, right? You know, we all know what happened with the Longhorn Network and how that worked out. We were just talking about it, but but what is happening now, CJ? This is obviously sort of in the same you know chapter of all that. It's a money and strategy move as it was in 1995. I mean, yeah, if you look at the SEC now. I mean, they're the undisputed best football conference, and you know football drives money, it drives viewers, it drives engagement. Football is the catalyst for all things money. Joining the SEC, obviously, is a big business decision. You've seen, you know, the jump, uh, and this is going to hurt the ears of a lot of listeners, I'm sure, but you've seen the jump Texas A&M has made in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen the, the, you know, increase in development and facilities and stadium renovations. You're seeing it now with Texas, and that's without any type of on-field success or, you know, really big-time week-in and week-out marquee matchups. I mean, when you think about the eyeballs that will be watching a Texas and LSU game, a Texas and Georgia game. Shoot, a Texas-Mississippi State game. Yeah, I mean, people are more inclined to watch that than, like you said earlier, a, a Texas and Baylor game, Texas and Kansas game, Texas and Iowa State. Iowa State's the undisputed second-best team in the conference right now. No, I mean, if you if you were to put... Iowa State on the list of the 14, now 16 teams in the SEC. I mean, they probably don't crack the top 10 of eyeballs that would have watched Texas play them. And so, I mm-hmm. mean, it. I was like going to say said, top 10 in, in terms of, like, when you you stopped for a second, I was like, in, in football? It's like, they're, they're pretty good. No, I'm, in, I'm in terms, yeah, national, I get what you're saying. You know, national prominence of, you know, I mean, outside of Kentucky, mm-hmm. you know, Vanderbilt, maybe South Carolina, but I mean, who knows? I feel like there aren't many teams that you aren't going to watch ahead of Iowa State there. So, but yeah, like I mean, like we said across the board, even even in the baseball world, um, I know I know there aren't many profitable baseball programs or or whatever in the country. But I mean, it's just extra money coming in to an extent. That all happens in the SEC, uh, where you know it's just general better athletic departments across the board. It kind of is reminiscent of Texas leaving behind Rice, SMU, and Houston for Colorado, Nebraska, and Oklahoma, right? There's sort of a, a mirror there. It's sort of a history is repeating itself. Texas is leaving behind programs that have less national prominence for better matchups, even though they might not historically be you know, Texas and Nebraska hadn't really met each other many times. Colorado and Texas weren't natural competitors. Neither was Texas and Mizzou. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma was a different story. But it was a more fun game. It brought more eyeballs. It brought more revenue to all the schools. And it made sense at the time because it was a money move. It's almost like cutting dead weight. You know, it's like the fat person that gets liposuction twice but keeps finding themselves fat in a bad spot. That's almost mm-hmm. like what Texas was was doing with these, you know, now two conference moves. Um, you know, if they go to the SEC and eventually get fat again and, and lose it, then, you know, just scrap the program. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. striker, you're out. I'm right. hard with playing. I'd, I'd, be more, I'd be more afraid of Texas. I don't know how to put a liposuction or, you know, sort of spin on this. But basically, Texas falling behind athletically in terms of, you know, there's a lot of really, really good football teams in the SEC very top weighted a lot of the time. So like, you know, sure. But the teams can reach higher heights. 
than yeah. say TCU in Baylor. You know, if Texas has to play Alabama or, you know, a really good LSU team or, you know, Florida, Georgia, all those teams, you know, Texas A&M is even good. And now they play Oklahoma. It seems like it could be, could be, that's, that's scary, but you know, Texas might be a sleeping giant here. And in fact, I'm pretty sure that's what they are. I mean, it's such a, it's a program that can reach such heights, but it just hasn't. If Texas can wake up in the athletic program, then, you know, they'll fit right in, in terms of the competition. But that's the one thing I'm scary. But basically what's happening right now is ever since A&M and Nebraska and Mizzou and Colorado left the big 12, the last with the last realignment, things have slowly been marching towards this four or five team super conference, you know, with every realignment shakeup, there has been a move away from regionality, you know, regions and in the conferences being around the regions right now, it's more around eyeballs, right? Who can get the more, most eyeballs here. And again, that, that last conference move from Texas A&M, Colorado, Nebraska, Mizzou really kind of started the ball rolling here. We can point fingers at who, Oh yeah, it's, it's Texas's fault for getting the Longhorn network or it's Nebraska's fault for leaving and Mizzou's fault for really, actually really Mizzou was the one who took the first step to the SEC because everybody's like, oh, Texas and Nebraska and, and Texas A&M are leaving. And Mizzou's like, well, shit, we need to get our spot. Uh, Big 10, no. SEC, yes, cool, we're going. Uh, Mizzou came away, you know, the big winner of all of that, really. He joined the SEC yeah. and no one really points any fingers at him, like you said. So, it, if they haven't, you know, won many things in the last couple of years. I mean, at least I won that. Yeah, Mizzou and Colorado are like, as soon as they started, they're like, realignment? Oh, crap. Where are we? Okay, we got to go. And they were like, fend for ourselves. Let's let's get out of here. Well, okay, uh, we're gone. The, the the ship has a dent? Oh, crap. We're on the, tan- we're on the Titanic. <laughs> but uh, what happened? So basically, it's been kind of slowly more moving towards that. And all moves in sports when it comes down to it are made due to money. You hear it across all the major sports, at least. I mean, you know, it's a business. It's no different in the college ranks, except, you know, kids aren't getting paid. Well, now they are, but you, you get my drift. It's a business. Right. In the past, Oklahoma behind closed doors has been trying to get to the sec multiple times since over the past decade, I believe. But the SEC has kind of rejected their advances for one reason or another. Uh, the SEC already got their door in the fertile recruiting ground of Texas with Texas A&M. And Oklahoma really didn't give them much in terms of, you know, a huge revenue boosts or a recruiting advantage or really makes sense beyond, you know, culturally they might fit. However when Oklahoma was like, Hey, this time when we are going to try it, let's go ahead and bring Texas along. And we're going to work this angle here with Texas that, you know, for the last realignment, everything is shifting towards this realignment right now. It's a race between the ACC and the big 12 to find out, okay, who breaks first Clemson and Florida state and Miami or the big 12. And everything is kind of getting to this coming to a head in 2025 when all these deals with, ESPN and Fox and all these big companies are going to end. So 
Oklahoma goes to Texas and says, we can't get into the Big Ten because we're not AAU. Texas, you don't want to go to the Pac-12 because last time your admins wanted to do that, then they went to the West Coast and found out that the time difference really sucks. So let's go and try for the SEC and really get ahead of you know the Pac-12 or the Big Ten or the ACC. And Oklahoma's like, we get to the SEC, we get more money, and on top of that, we're going to get in this time because we're going to bring Texas. And Texas, I know, right? It's, it's the whole thing where, yeah, they're not great at football, and that's what everybody's harping on, but the reason Texas is one in the SEC, not because of the, re- the fertile recruiting ground, it's because money. You know, that's basically where we are. Texas and Oklahoma don't have to buoy the rest of the conference and can make more money and are safe safe, quote-unquote, in a power conference with an unknown future of the sport of college football. That is where we find ourselves. Yeah, and I know I know you, you kept bringing up the fertile recruiting grounds, and I know that's not necessarily a big reason for the move, but it's definitely going to play a part of the move. It's definitely going to be, you know, it's almost like a, a long-term investment. No, I mean... For the most part, no SEC school is going to jump into Oklahoma and go recruit the best players there, simply because they're not of the same caliber. You know, the the big boys in the trenches that you'll find in Mississippi, you know, Alabama, Georgia, and they're not of the same speed caliber that of the the dudes you find in Florida or even some of the guys down in Texas. Obviously, Oklahoma Oklahoma will have the benefit of recruiting Texas like they have forever. They can also now go poach some mm-hmm. of these guys down in Louisiana, down in Mississippi. I know Arkansas kind of has, you know, a couple guys every, you know, once or two, you know, maybe three years or something like that. That unlocks a door for them that can now get better athletes on the field, put a better product on the field, get them to the next step from being, you know, the the Big 12 champions every year to, hey, maybe we are one step closer to being that national champion. Move makes sense for them. As for Texas, I mean, there's been a, there's a number of winners and there's a number of losers in this thing. You got to think the biggest loser is Texas A&M because the one, you know, recruiting pitch that they had above Texas and Oklahoma was, hey, come play in the best conference in football. We can ha- we And it can- was their entire identity yeah, was that I mean, we're the SEC team of Texas. Uh, I forget. I think it was Greg McElroy, uh, the, the old Alabama quarterback. He recently said on a podcast, you know, when he was being recruited by A&M, they would send him, you know, letters to his house with the SEC logo, you know, Two or three times bigger than the A&M logo. That, that was the entire letter. I mean, like you said, the entire identity. That, that was their thing. This is their shiny toy that the big brother down the road could not have. Well, now that's gone. You know, and mm-hmm. I don't want to just assume that they're going to go back to third, you know, third fiddle in the state for recruits and stuff like that. But I mean, when both teams are recruiting at, I guess all three teams in this scenario are recruiting at their very highest and are all playing on the same level playing field, you got to think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think Texas right now, and Texas Texas A&M right now is kind of resting on the fact that they've been in the recruiting at this level for 10 years now, and really hoping that that will give them an edge going forward. That hopefully now they can say, no, we're not an SEC, we're not the SEC school, but we're definitely not Texas, we're different than them. And Texas is hoping that that 10 year head start really doesn't mean that much. We'll see, you know, I can't say one way or the other. 
And anybody who's saying one way or the other, I don't think, I think it's talking out of their ass. I don't think there is really a way you can, dis- you can say yes or no, this, this matters. That's what they're both hoping. That's what both these teams are kind of resting on is yes, it matters. No, it doesn't. And I, I talked to us on my last show, but I think one of the best parts of this move is not Texas, you know, reigniting a re- rivalry with AM and Arkansas and getting potentially better matchups and hopefully livening up the crowd of DKR, which is a hard, hard task for the West End. It, it gets loud and bright sometimes, uh, you know, when they, everybody's got their phones out and they're saying, don't stop believing. That's cool. But yeah, no, Texas, it, yeah, Texas cool. fans have their moments. Texas, yeah, yeah. But it has to be really, 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 really compelling to get people to really get into the game. And even then, I've told that, like, hey, like, the swamp gets louder than what we saw at LSU, or the Death Valley gets louder most of the time than what we oh, saw at LSU. Uh, 100%. Right. Death Valley, 100%. So, yeah, so, I mean, Texas fans, yeah, they can get rowdy at times, but it's it takes, it, you know, it really takes a punch to get them, like, really... Put some nitrous fuel in there, and then we can get to like seventy-five percent of what they get to in Death Valley. Well, now it just means more, which means it'll yeah, now it just means louder. more. Yeah. yeah, you know, and I don't even—I wasn't even really super excited about the move to the SEC. My favorite part about this entire saga was how much Texas A&M hated it. It was just. Uh, CJ, I, I want you to go and dig back. I know you're professional, and you don't have any bias one way or the other i want you to dig back into college level cj right now okay and be like hey cj freshman year cj what was your favorite part uh what was your favorite tweet your favorite series of tweets uh, you know your favorite piece of content to come out of that and, and it might be the fact that texas and oklahoma had a relative ceasefire between all of this or you know just the, just a crap on the easy target of texas a&m or watching billy lucci have to tweet through it like there is a multitude of things that, that you can see. I guess I guess covering Texas and Oklahoma, you can still be like, yeah, you know, watching Texas A&M freak out was funny. You know, I made the the whole, you know, the Bloods and Crips, you know, joining hands and it was Texas mm-hmm. and Oklahoma. I mean, anytime that happens, you know, hated rivals come together to laugh at, you know, a third party. It's hilarious. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I would hate to be that third school, but I mean, in this scenario... I mean, both 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 schools are kicking back their feet and just chuckling, you know, just having a great laugh at this. Um, that had to be the, you know, when, whenever you sc- scroll Twitter during, you know, one of these massive college football news outbreaks, jokes are going to pop up. And it was a beautiful sight, you know, seeing the Texas and Oklahoma fans just, you know, singing Kumbaya together and skipping down the street, you know. It was it's something I didn't really ever expect. Obviously, you know, being on both sides of the river right here, n- neither f- uh, fan base like not like the other school. I mean, that's that's you know a given. But for them to join together and then you know just dog A and M, who then had you know the rest of the SEC dog A and M as well. That was that was glorious. I think for me one of the one of my favorite parts about this entire thing were the rumors that. The SEC kept Texas A&M in the dark specifically for the reason that they didn't want the news to be leaked. Um, whether that's true or not, the fact that that was, you know, spread around in a rumor in the first place, that's a big kick in the face to A&M regardless. Um, I know the, the PR teams 
or the PR departments of teams in the state of Texas have had, you know, to work for their money recently. Uh, when you think of all the, mm-hmm. the stuff that's happened in Baylor, um, the Astros and, you know, whatever cheating scandal went down there, they've had to work for their money. Yeah. A&M didn't get the benefit of the doubt from the PR department, and this just blew up in their face right before media days and Jimbo took the stage there. They had no yeah. – it was, it was a mess. And I think that was one of the most glorious parts about all of this. Again, as professionally unbiased as I can say. Yeah, I think seeing Ross Bjork absolutely be stunned by it, which surprise, surprise, right? Ross Bjork mm. not understanding what's going on, saying basically we want to be the only Texas team in the SEC, and now that's a fun that's a fun clip to listen to, or watching Billy Lucci become really, really interested in Texas politics all of a sudden, and become a Texas political correspondent. That was also pretty fun. Yeah, Ross Bjork you know, watching... is basically the Patrick Starr of you know, college administrators just living under a rock and, and then not knowing what's going on in the world, I feel like. So Yeah, that's a good that's a that's a good comparison. I really appreciate that one. That was a good <laughs> one. But uh let's get to cut on some of these bigger stories right now. Because there's a lot when you listen to Paul Feinbaum or you listen which I don't recommend it or you listen to basically any major sports analyst out there, right now you're hearing Texas destroys another conference. The NCAA is is going to not be, it's going to be a shadow of itself. Texas is destroying rivalries. And Texas is going to have to bow down the SEC. Let's kind of go through each one of those real fast. So Texas destroys another conference, CJ. We just went through that saga and what, what happened with the Southwestern Conference what are your thoughts on that? Texas destroying, destroy, I say this in air quotes, but destroying the Big 12. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we, we mentioned this earlier in the show, but I mean, college athletic departments are a business. Anytime you put yourself in a, you know, a more fiscally, you know, uh, beneficial position or, you know, in a position to financially benefit, you know, the schools around you, basically, Texas putting themselves in a position to one, solidify themselves in the conference in the ever-changing landscape of college football like we talked about. Two, put themselves in a, in a better position to, you know, bring in revenue to benefit all sports. It's a no-brainer to put yourself surround. I'll dumb this down, you know, even for myself. People always talk about when you're a kid, you are who you hang around. If you're going to hang around with the kids that are, um, you know, in the parking lot, skipping class, smoking a joint, I mean, odds are that's who you're going to be associated with for a while. If you're, you know, teaming up with the kids in the study labs, you know, working overtime to get you know, the best grade on the test coming up, odds are you're going to position yourself, in a, you know, to, to be, you know, better suited down the road. I think Texas is, saying, is seeing, you know, the trajectory of the SEC, where things could go if they were to join the conference compared to where things are with the, the Big 12 are now and kind of where their ceiling is and has been for the last couple of years. I do think Texas thinks that they can, you know, obviously return and to the national prominence or whatever. And the SEC is going to give them almost a leg up when fighting against, you know, in-house basically to get back to that stage. So I obviously, I think it's a no-brainer. Oh, and I was going to say, yeah, and to add on to that, I don't think this is a novel thing in the grand scheme of college football. You know, it's, New for us, and it's a big story, right? Texas hasn't been in the SEC since 1919. But 
it's it's not right that's it's not new in terms of what college football in the history of college football right we just saw it with the south we just talked about with the southwestern conference we talked about it with the big 12 conference it's all built around money and yes some traditional rivalries are going to be destroyed. You know, talking about Texas destroying rivalries. You know, how dare Texas leave Texas Tech, Baylor, TCU, and Iowa State, their Iowa State, their biggest rival, to fend for themselves? Like, how dare they? You know, but also, please, let's not look at how Texas Tech and Baylor ditched the story rivalries between TCU, Houston, SMU, and Rice, you know, for more money. Like, God forbid we look at that. Texas, yeah, sure. We're we're destroying our rivalry with Texas Tech potentially, and Baylor and uh, TCU again. Uh, I think the bigger rivalry with Baylor. But I think I think the bigger villain in terms of destroying rivalries here is is Oklahoma, who's destroying their rivalry with Oklahoma State. Right? Like, welcome to the Cold War, Oklahoma. Texas is leaving it, and you're joining it. Yeah, hundred percent. Going back to the whole destroying rivalries thing, I think it is pretty one-sided when you look at it. Um, I, what was, I think it was a USA Today article that came out a couple of years ago. You know, who is every school's, you know, most hated rival? Who's the one team that, you know, mm-hmm. teams hate to play the most? Um, I believe Texas had seven, they were named seven times by seven different schools on that thing. Obviously, fact check me because that, that, that article came out a while ago and I don't, I, I haven't, you know, revisited it in a while, but I think the number was seven. Texas, I mean, U.S. Texas, who their biggest rival is, I still say it's A&M. That's without playing I think for it's 12 years. Oklahoma, A&M, then Arkansas. And two yeah. of those they don't play anymore. Uh, 100%. And so when you consider the, the rivalries in the Big 12 that Texas currently has, you're saying Oklahoma definitively. You're saying yes. Texas Tech. Okay, I can give you Texas Tech. You know, they're the only other in-state public university in the conference. I can, I can, I can live with Texas Tech. TCU, I, I don't buy. Baylor, I, there's no rivalry with Baylor. Oklahoma State, you know, there's been some good college football matchups there. I can, I can live with Oklahoma State, but, but again, like, I'm not gonna pay the top dollar to go see Oklahoma State. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to do that for anybody else outside of Oklahoma in this conference. And don't get me started on West Virginia because that's the most manufactured, pre, you know, imaginary rivalry that I've ever seen. Texas fans could not care less about West Virginia. I've loved having West Virginia in this conference. I mean, the 2012 game against Geno Smith and Tavon Austin in Austin was, was electric. And they're just a fun program and fan base, but you're right, they're, they're not a rival. And it really sucks that West Virginia is sort of in an island by themselves and we couldn't pick up the Big 12, couldn't pick up Pitt or Louisville to kind of bolster them and make it really it would have been a stronger conference at that time. Uh, Texas kind of was voting and Oklahoma were both voting for expansion at the time, but that meant for the other schools that they would get a less of a stake and less money. So they voted against it and sort of, Going back to the Texas destroying another conference, the inability to add another big-time school like Louisville at the time would have been great. Pitt would have been great. Uh, you know, s- some of these other schools here, even Cincinnati would have been good. Cincinnati, uh, yeah. BYU's name is thrown around. I know the whole – there's 
a lot of stipulations that surround BYU. Right. But, but yeah, they, they would have been the top of, you know, my dream list for the Big 12 expansion as well. Right. It, but the conference in total was built on sand. They never reinforced that foundation and it became primed to fall apart in 2025. So did Texas destroy this conference or was this conference just again, built on a agreement that was no longer viable because again, Texas found itself in another version of the Southwestern conference again, and was looking to leave, leave that deal. So that's really what happened here. Why Texas is quote unquote, destroying another conference and destroying rivalries. They're not destroying a conference. They're not, at least not alone. And Oklahoma is kind of getting away using Texas as a shield PR shield because Texas is a very loud program in terms of their PR, uh, in terms of their fan base, in terms of just their reach. Uh, everybody's disappointed in Oklahoma and furious at Texas about all this. But here's another one that I'm, I'm interested in CJ and, the the idea that Texas is not going to have as much power in the SEC and they're going to have to bow down to the SEC programs. I mean, we've seen it with SEC Shorts's video where Texas is basically coming in dressed like a cowboy, all you know, all this stuff. And Texas, leave behind your expectations. Texas, leave behind your power. Texas, leave behind basically everything. Where Oklahoma kind of walks in and is like, yeah, hey, we're a cultural fit here. Um, I think a lot of this idea cj and you might have an idea a a different idea but i think a lot of this is really coming from the fact that texas fans seem reluctant to join the sec culture right we've seen a lot of texas fans on twitter say i'm not going to chant sec i mean personally i'm not going to chant sec at the game i mean i'm i'm not a perfect i'm not a professional journalist like you i'm a fan and i'm not when i go to the games i'm not going to chant sec unless it is you know ironically doing it against Texas A&M. Right. Right. I'm not going to, I feel like Texas is like, yeah, sure. We're going to the sec, but we're still Texas. We still have the money and the brand power. Yes. We're not good at foot. We're not Alabama in football, but we have the brand power. We have the television sets. We have the money. And I think sec, the rest of the sec schools are going to try to fight against that money. And Texas is going to try to really use that to get themselves a bigger seat at the table. On top of all this is that cultural mismatch between Texas fans and the rest of the SEC. The rest of the SEC is more aligned with Texas A&M fans, which are more country, more conservative, rowdier. Where Texas fans, I, in my experience, are more like Michigan fans. They're more focused on academics. They're more focused on, uh, well, maybe not anymore with how t- things are moving with ath- with this athletic program, but we're more focused on appearances. And yeah, that's that's really what they, they're more focused on is appearances and more so than, than being rowdy at a football game. Yeah. I mean, I, you, you even see that in the, the student culture at Texas, right? Yeah, 100%. It's so evident on 11 a.m. kickoff when you see the student section. And, or, and uh, this was a big part in the very early stages of the Tom Herman era. Student section would be, you know, quarter filled, you know, right after kickoff. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I, I agree. Uh, going back to your point of Texas being humbled by joining the SEC, I don't think that's a bad thing. 
Texas, for the first time, is joining an SEC, or they're joining a conference, you know? They're no longer the, hey, we're the big shiny toy, let's get all these other schools to come to us and play by our rules, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. They're no longer the school that is, is out pitching other schools to, hey, come play at our level now. Texas is making that jump when, whenever they join the SEC to play at somebody else's level. Um, it's going to be a humbling experience, and I think it's a good one, and I think it'll it'll benefit Texas down the road. And it'll also, you know, probably help, you know, with, with some PR, you know. Just keep your mouth quiet, keep your head low, and, and you know, figure it out. Uh, I think that'll help as well. Um, but, yeah, getting back to the, the fans, I, listen, all of my best friends are Texas fans. But I know exactly, you know, their mannerisms at games. I know when they get loud, when they think they should get loud, blah, 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 blah. It's almost like a little, they're, they're snooty in a way. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that'll change once, you know, you go to a game in Starkville. You go to a game in Tuscaloosa. You see the Swamp. You go to a game in Auburn. You see Death Valley. I mean, most of these games that Texas plays across, you know, the Big 12 on the road, I don't want to point at Kansas and be like, you know, this is, you know, a, a prime example because it's not. But I mean, most of those schools don't fill up and have the same type of atmosphere as what you'll see in the SEC. Um, and so it's going to be almost an iron sharpens iron situation, but in the same. Hopefully. I mean, Hopefully. You hope. Um, and I think Texas fans, and I say this speaking on behalf of the kids that I have been around for the last four or five years. There's no way that they want to be second fiddle to somebody else. So they'll adapt as, as quickly as they can and, and take over whatever they, you know, traditions and adapt whatever they can to, we're now the rowdiest crowd. We're now the team that has the most school pride, blah, blah, blah. Cause I think they just simply got complacent. Um, and I think the, the product on the field definitely didn't help their situation of being, uh, considered the, the loud, you know, rambunctious, um, fan base anymore so I, I do think it'll help i think it'll help there and it'll help on the field yeah i also think maybe being in austin hurts a bit recently because when i think about teams that are rowdy in major league sports right who one team that comes to mind is the bills buffalo sure what the hell is there to do to buffalo yeah right versus miami or los angeles where that team is maybe the 10th best thing going on in that city at a certain time. Austin has the same thing where it's such a great city. Austin is really a tremendous city so much so that Texas has become, you know, Texas is still maybe like the first or second or third thing that's going on, but there's also other things to do in the city. Whereas college station, if it's Saturday, you're going to the game. There is no ACL festival. There is no, you know, I mean, ACL for me is the biggest weekend I can think of right away. Mm-hmm. The double weekend, it's normally, you know, one was right, I think, before the Oklahoma weekend, or it's, it, that's the second weekend, whatever. Regardless, if there's a home game, you know, before the OU weekend, or there's a home game after the OU weekend, and it lines up with ACL, where do you think the majority of, you know, students at the University of Texas are going to go? They're going to go to a football game that they can see six, seven times I mean, a year. I mean, ACL. They're going to go to ACL. Yeah, 100%. And I think right. while it's a cool attraction, you can you can pitch that to recruits. Recruits aren't going to go to it. 
and it's, I mean, it's going to take seats out or, you know, butts out of the seats, uh, in the student section specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And teams that don't have to deal with this are Oklahoma, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, Florida, Georgia. Austin being such a cool city hurts Texas. Yeah. (laughs) Who would have thought? Right. So it's one of the problems that Texas faces is I think that there's a culture mismatch between the rest of the SEC and Texas. I feel like Texas more closely resembles Vanderbilt than they do the rest of the SEC. So whereas Oklahoma is, is a perfect social cultural fit for the SEC where they're not going to, they didn't, they're not expecting to have more power at the seats at the table than they, than they did it, you know, with Texas, even though they were probably the number two team in the big 12, Texas, I think is going to fight for more power, the sec and fans and other teams are going to try to fight against that. And I think the end result is going to be Texas has more power than the other 15 teams thought they would, but Texas has less power than they wanted. So it's sort of like a a medium there. So the last topic we have here, CJ is where is this recruiting bump from joining the sec? We were told would be there. And I have my thoughts on it, but I want to get yours. Okay. So, off the bat, I think this opens a door to not a different level of recruit that Texas, you know, is capable of getting. Because we, I mean, the last five, six years when Texas wasn't putting a great product on the field, they were still finishing top ten in the nation, you know, top five in, in a few years in the recruiting world. I think this opens up a door at a certain position, certain type of player that Texas otherwise would have missed out on. Uh, specifically, I can think right away, the offensive and defensive lines are going to benefit greatly from the move to the SEC. Uh, you know, getting dirty in the trenches, you know, that's been a staple of what the SEC has, has had, you know, over the last decade, last two decades. Is no team puts out more offensive and defensive line, you know, NFL quality players than the SEC. Obviously, you have to develop and blah, 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 blah. But if you can, you know, pitch to recruits, hey, you're going to go play the best of the best every single week for, for 12 weeks. Like, this is where you're going to be able to do that. I think that, you know, that's going to help Texas a ton. Um, I was, I was thinking about it the other day. Um, had Texas been in the SEC for the last five years, and you look at the state's, you know, top 10 players, in the state of Texas, how many of them went out of state or went to an SEC school that Texas probably would have landed had they been in the SEC already? Uh, the 2017 class came to mind specifically because I don't think Texas landed. I think Sam Ellinger was the best player Texas landed in the state of Texas. It was also a, a coaching change year, but yes. Yeah, it, yeah but regardless. Um, I mean, Baron Browning, Caleb Von Chasson, J.K. Dobbins, all guys that went out of state. And, and likely, you know, came down to the wire with Texas. Had Texas been in the SEC, things could have gone differently. Uh, those are just, you know, some of the names that went off the top of my head. But I do think it's going to open more doors for Texas, who seemingly already has every door open. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, I, I've thought about this a couple times. The biggest winners, obviously, Texas, Oklahoma. 
if I had to pick a third winner from the move uh, to the SEC for both of these schools, it's going to be SMU. Should, you know, the other state schools, I, I don't want to say, you know, drop down to the American or whatever. But, I mean, we saw back in the day, SMU was a national school before the death penalty, obviously. With the NIL in place and that market, you know, basically being Dallas and being, you know, the only college in in Dallas, they're going to benefit greatly. You saw what happened Jordan Hudson, Chase Biddle, uh, winning big recruits already. They're going to be, in my opinion, in 10 years, 5, 10 years, they're going to be the third best state uh, program in the state of Texas. Outside of Texas A&M, who is undoubtedly the biggest loser in all of this, I think Ohio State's going to be a massive loser because of this. Uh, I mean, we can, you know, look, look past the last five, ten years as well. Ohio State can just come in and handpick whoever they want, basically. Um, whether it be Garrett Wilson, uh, you know, Caleb Burton now, um, Ohio State. Yours. What's that? Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers, yeah, 100%. Um, Ohio State's not going to have that same luxury because Texas can now say, just come, you know, stay in town, stay in the state. We're going to play the best competition in, in the entire country. You no longer have to go all the way up to Ohio State to play good competition, play for a good program. It's going to be right here. Um, I think Ohio State's going to be hurt pretty bad because they, I mean, for the most part, they were the biggest non-SEC, uh, non-state school that was really able to poach whoever they want. Right. Here's my thing, though, right now. Texas is not doing well on the recruiting trail. And I think a lot of fans are freaking out about that, right? They just lost Jeremy Patton to Baylor, even though they just announced they're going to SEC. Denver Harris is starting to fade away. You did lose Kelvin Banks to Oregon. You know, you're not doing well on the trail, right? Even the guys who went to the cookout, like Devon Campbell going there was great. You got uh, Armani Winfield back in, but there weren't a huge num- number of really, really big 2022 names in that list. Jeray Bledsoe is starting to move away from Texas. You're just, you're seeing all this movement that's kind of doesn't fit with the fact that Texas fan, Texas is supposed to get this SEC bump, you know, now that they can sell that, that, hey, you're going to be our first class for the SEC, which by the way, yeah, Texas isn't waiting until 2025. Yeah, there's no shot. So... I really think, and CJ, this is where you can sign off here because I'm about to get into stuff that is a professional. Um, obviously, this is all speculation and not true. Uh, this is this is the fan saying it, not the professional. Uh, one, Texas plays the recruiting games, right? Every team plays the recruiting game. But Texas plays it at the Big 12 level right now. And there are fighting teams around them who are either playing the game at the SEC level or a higher level in general, like Oregon, or have shown play at a higher level like Oklahoma or both like Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson. Texas right now is fighting with one hand tied behind their back here. And who tied that hand back there? Texas did it to themselves because Texas has the most power we've been talking literally about the entire show to be able to play the recruiting game at the highest level, higher than any other team. But they aren't. 
They are tied their hand behind their back. For some reason, I don't know. Um, and CJ, no comment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but no comment here. I just, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And it is the one of the most frustrating things right now as a person who follows recruiting for Texas, because there is no reason Texas should be tying their hand behind their back when it comes to, to the, you know, playing recruiting and and doing recruiting at the same level of Texas A&M and LSU and Alabama and Clemson and Georgia. Like there's nothing stopping Texas. I'm, I'm not going to throw too much, uh, too many words onto the the recording here, but, you would think, you know, some of the moral high ground from Texas would, you know, kind of dissipate a little bit when it's been, you know, 12 years since you've really been in that national stage, right? You would, you would have thought the leash would have gotten a little bit longer with whatever the game is. Right. And the fact that they're not playing the game at the level of other teams around them means that that 12 year you know, basically chasm hole is now, you know, now they have to fight that and fight it harder, right? They can't, they can't rely on the game. They have to rely on their, the level that they're playing at. Plus, you know, selling them on a future that they've already had to do in the past and other teams have wisened up to it. And it is just too easy to negatively recruit Texas at this point. So it, it just makes it that much harder. And you are right, obviously, you know, expecting Texas to not be recruiting, you know, to be recruiting, recruiting at the level that, you know, Oklahoma is, is and a little unfair to these, these coaches, because again, it's, you know, they're, they're dealing with having to sell a program that has been in the gutter for 12 years. Well, not gutter. They did get a sugar bowl, but not great. Uh, over the past 12 years and they're adding the little bit of hindrance little bit in italics and you know quotations hindrance of having their hand tied behind their back and i don't know who's who's tying their hand behind their back or why it's happening but it's happening but again all teams play this recruiting game all all teams play recruiting every team has to get players into their into their uh their program. So every team recruits from UTSA all the way up to Alabama. So, you know, we'll see what happens here. But uh, CJ, what are what are your thoughts on what just happened over this past weekend? A- and just in general, going further down, you know, how does Texas get that recruiting bump? So my original thoughts were, you know, this is going to change a lot of things for the 22 class. I mean, this is the biggest news. I know, I know legally you have to say you're going to wait till 25. Um, I was told by a couple, a couple sources at the, the pool party this week that Sarkeesian was pitching Texas playing in the SEC for 22. And I believe that to be the case, regardless if the Big 12 dissolves or if, you know, Texas just buys their way out of the conference. I think Texas plays in the SEC. For, for next season, basically, or the 22 season. Where I think this, I, where I think Texas recruiting really kicks into the SEC level or, you know, it really gets that bump is going to be the 23 class and beyond. Uh, if you really think about it, outside of Jeremy Patton, 
And I, I guess you can throw Jordan Hudson into the mix, too. I know he was named in the final three or whatever uh, for Texas. Where is Texas losing kids right now? I mean, most, if it's not Oklahoma, it's going to be in the SEC schools already where they already know they're going to go play in the SEC and they're not potentially going to have to wait for three or four years. Or they're moving to Oregon, which we saw a number of times, because Oregon has the undisputed best NIL uh, setup because of Nike, Phil Knight, blah, 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 blah. They're not losing them. And they play the game real, real well. Apparently. Um, <laughs> but, I'm making this hard for you, CJ. I'm sorry. I know, I know. Um, but, I mean, the point is, I think this, this plays a big factor down the road. Uh, you know, once you can for sure say Texas is inside the club and playing with the big dog, that's when it's really going to, you know, hey, like, we now know officially what Texas is and can be. Let me see a year with Sark under the helm. Let me see, you know, what this offense can translate to in the biggest conference in college football. That's going to be 23. Um, I know there was a quote from Evan Stewart that said if Texas joined the SEC, he would commit on the spot. I don't know if that's true. I don't, I don't think Evan. Apparently not. I, I mean, apparently not. But I mean, where's Evan Stewart right now? Well, he just left a visit from Florida. He's back in Austin right now. So the interest, had it not been, you know, for the SEC jump, does he, does he, does he make that trip from Florida straight to Austin? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I do think uh, it's going to turn heads, and you know, for the m- majority of the kids that I've spoken with, they think the move for Texas specifically is is, is phenomenal. They want to see Texas play at that same level as you know the Alabama, Georgia, LSU. And even Texas A&M, because I mean, I mean, if you're an in-state kid and you're visiting Texas, odds are you're probably going to visit Texas A&M, and, and they're going to be a player in that recruitment as well. It's funny. I don't think perception always meets reality for recruits. And so whenever I was talking to, I was talking to a five-star in-state kid, and obviously I'm going to keep his name anonymous, but I asked him off the record. I was like, "Hey, man." Like, Tell me what you think about Texas and Oklahoma both joining the SEC. Like, do you think that's going to be like a good move for both of these schools? Can they compete? Kid goes, oh, yeah, Texas, that's a phenomenal move for Texas. Like, they're finally going to be able to put, you know, the product on the field that they should, you know, they should put out every year. Oklahoma, I don't think they have the defense for that, which is funny because, I mean, last year Oklahoma just had, what, their best defense in 20 years? They yeah, have, they're looking to have a pretty good defense this year, too. And they have arguably – in my opinion, I think they have a top five, you know, front seven in all of football. So, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, you can say one thing, you can, you, you can promote, you know, uh, the SEC all you want until the kid actually sees it. I mean, it, it's just words for them. And so I think that's right. why the 22 class won't necessarily be affected as hard as we originally thought once all this SEC news came out. And why the 23 class, 24, what, and down the road from there will eventually be the big winners for Texas there. Yeah. There's a lot of, lot going on, and those are some really good points, actually, CJ. I had not thought about. But uh, we're going to end off there. Thank you all for listening. I have been your host, Will Bazer. You guys can find me on Twitter at W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R. My man, CJ. Where can we find you on Twitter and the rest of the internet? Yeah, uh... On Twitter, I am at CJ Vogel underscore TFB, and obviously, you know, I'm posting all over the place with TFB Texas and TFB Sooners as well.
Right. And that's thefootballbrainiacs.com. Taxes at thefootballbrainiacs.com or just thefootballbrainiacs.com for Sooners. I think is it Sooners.thefootballbrainiacs.com or Oklahoma? I think so. I don't know. So you guys can find them there. Really good stuff for the Football Brainiacs. Uh, I'm more of a contributor there now or just occasional editor of grammar. Uh, <laughs> but you guys My can bad. find more. No, no, no. It's not you. It's not you. You're actually, you're pretty good. It's other guys. I won't, I won't say names. We will keep those who have sinned in terms of journalistic uh, grammar. Their names will be hidden. We'll keep, we'll keep it under, under wraps here. But thank y'all for listening. This is, this has been a Hornscast network, which you can find on any podcasting platform out there. We'll see y'all next week or whenever we do this podcast. Hook them.